0: for me is like leaving something behind that I'm proud of and that has impacted people. I know that sounds so cliche, but when I think about like what will make me happy and what will keep me going, it's knowing that the mission is, is alive still.
1: Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. Today I'm talking to Raina Campbell, She's the founder of RainaCampbell.com, a site that's dedicated to helping people shine in their professional and personal lives by providing tips and resources about marketing, branding, and business. Raina grew up in Orange, New Jersey, and graduated from Princeton University in 2013 with a degree in sociology. She owns her own marketing consultancy and writes for publications such as The Huffington Post, Hello Giggles, Madame Noir, ExoJane, Black Fitness Today, and more. On January 1st, 2016, she launched the Dreams in Drive podcast, a space for creative and lifestyle entrepreneurs who want to learn how to take their entrepreneurial dreams out of park and into drive. You can find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. I really enjoyed talking to Raina. I felt like we related a lot when it came to just fears and worries that we have, fear of failure and fear of success, worrying about not being enough, worrying about not figuring out what we should be doing and how to do it, how to bring our fullest selves to the world. And we talked about how we deal with social comparison and social media and fear of making decisions and how, we've lear- how we're have how we learning um, to develop self-trust and, and make decisions for ourselves. And I also was really excited to get to ask Raina about A particular episode of dreams and drive that stuck with her and changed her because it's a great podcast she has so she's been doing it for almost three years now she has well over 150 episodes so many interesting guests she's a great interviewer she's a really good storyteller and I know that whenever I listen to the podcast I get a lot out of the stories um, and what it is that drives people what it is that that propels them into Um, taking a chance on themselves and I also am really intrigued by the role of faith in a lot of um, the stories that Raina's guests share and I was excited to ask her a little bit about the role of faith in her own journey. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and also head over to Dreams and Drive podcast and listen to Raina's podcast. It's awesome. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Victoria. I'm so excited to be
1: on today. It's so fun to get to talk to you because you're my first guest that I haven't met before or haven't talked to at all before. (laughs) So it's like, it's so fun because I've just been listening to your podcast, Dreams and Drive, a lot lately. um, And I feel like I know you. And also I work with your sister. So I feel like, you know, I hear about your grandma and like, how's she doing, by the
0: way? Oh, uh, she's, you know, being stubborn, but she's she's being grandma. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So I feel like I know you, but, um, but I'm really excited to get to ask you some questions and get to know you better. I know that you like to start your podcast by asking the guests to, like, close their eyes and travel back in time. So I was wondering if you would be willing to do that. Yeah, definitely. Tell me where you want okay. me to go. So I would like to know, what did creativity look like in your life in your childhood and how did that intersect with your entrepreneurial spirit so like were you selling did you have lemonade stands were you selling friendship
0: bracelets like what did that what did those things look like in your childhood I wish the audience could see my face right now. I am smiling from <laughs> ear to ear. So I definitely was that like young hustler, always trying to figure out how to make whatever it is that I thought of a reality. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, I was really into the art. So me and my friends had our own singing group, and we used to put on backyard concerts, and we charge people like 10 cents to come <laughs> into the backyard to watch. Um, and then my um, my dad actually got me my first mic, Because I used to uh, record on Sound Recorder, on Windows Sound Recorder, I would record songs or find old CDs and get the lyrics from the the little books that they used to have in the front of the CDs, Um, you know, and and sing my own songs and have my girl band, (laughs) we would produce our own beats and all this stuff. But I want to say like around fifth or sixth grade, I really got the entrepreneurial bug. And I realized that I could sell my creation. So I used to sell homemade bookmarks and laminated name cards to my friends, to my family members. So I was really, really like at at a young age, I saw the world with so much possibility. And I was just really, really obsessed with figuring out how to make money. Like I was (laughs) always trying to sell somebody something. I remember one of the books that I got, back in the day, it has to be like from the Scholastic Book Fair in fifth grade, was American Girls. They had this series called Making Money. So it was a book all about how young girls can make money. And it taught you about order forms, receipts and all <laughs> this stuff. So I really, really was kind of advanced for for a fifth, sixth grade entrepreneur, I want to say. Yeah, that's it's so interesting. Um, and
1: I know your parents both immigrated from Jamaica. Is that right? Yep. Um, do you feel like there that any of that entrepreneurial spirit came from, I, I know I've heard you say that they wanted you to be like a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. Was there any part of you that was like, you know, justifying your creativity or do you think you were just kind of like, uh, you know, uh, trying to be a self-made woman in the world and you knew, you know, uh, my
0: parents definitely like my dad had a million jobs, right? It's like he always was doing extra work outside of his normal nine to five. So I feel like they always instilled in us this whole idea, if you want something, you have to work for it. Mm-hmm. So my parents did not spoil us. Like if mm-hmm. we wanted something, we'd have to save our money. We'd have to pull all our allowance. Like I, I remember they made us decide if we wanted to get the upgraded Cartoon Network cable package mm-hmm. or in um, cable. But if we did, we would have to um, have a lower allowance. So they really taught us the value mm-hmm. of a dollar early on. So I just like the idea of, you know what, if it's my money, no one can tell me what I could buy or what I can't buy. So they supported that. They were like, well, if it's your money, you can do whatever it is that you want. But as long as it's our money, you have to stay within our rules. Mm -hmm. So from a very young age, I was like, listen, I'm getting my own money because I don't want to have to ask you guys to buy something for me and all of that. So I really feel like in our house, it was the culture to – save but also to have your own and i definitely think coming from like you know they were immigrants they just they didn't want us to just waste our blessings if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. so they came to this country to build a life for us so i know it would hurt their heart if they saw us just you know getting complacent (laughs) yeah or just like not
1: valuing what we had yeah yeah that sounds like something that has really served you um Mm -hmm. That's pretty incredible. And um, so I'm, I am also very curious as to when you were giving those backyard concerts, like what were your favorite songs to sing?
0: OK, so we had <laughs> it's funny. I still remember this song that we used to sing. We sang um, Destiny's Child. No, no, no. That song. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. Yeah. That was the song that we sang. And then we had our own songs. There were two songs that we we actually made up. One was called um, House on the Hills. And then there was this song called When We're Dancing in the Moonlight. (laughs) And I can (laughs) still remember the tune and the melody of that. But yeah, but the Destiny's Child was definitely the song that Mm -hmm. we all memorized as a kid. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I had, uh, I can't remember which CD, the CD with Bills, Bills, Bills. I had that one like on Mm -hmm. loop when I was, I don't know, nine or ten or whatever. Um, I think you and I are probably the same age because you graduated from college in 2013, right? Yeah. And I did as well. So we are... So 27? Yep.
0: Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, me too.
1: I've heard people say that 27 is a year of, like, big change. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. It feels pretty... It feels kind of true for me. I still feel
0: 18 at heart. Not yeah. like, Not that, like, I feel, like you know, I'm the maturity of an 18 year old, but I still feel like fresh and young, you know what I mean? I don't feel like, when I was younger, I thought 27 was so old. (laughs) But now I'm like, wait, I thought 27 year olds had it all together when I was a young kid. It's just so funny now to think about the
1: perspective of age. I know you think that I kept thinking when I graduated college, like I would magically be this different person who just had everything figured out. <laughs> right. Um, That's that not happened. That was not the case. <laughs> um, so you, you went to Princeton, right. And you studied sociology. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've listened to your podcast, so I know, and read some of your, you've some great articles online that I checked out and, so it sounds like you dove into your passion for the arts and like dance. And you also, I know you were tutoring um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a prison, right? And you did a thesis about policing and orange. So it sounds like you had all these different, like you had your creativity and your artistic side and your side that wanted to like serve your community. Um, and I'm curious when you graduated, like summer of 2013, what did your... What did the inside of your head look like? Because the inside of my head, summer of 2013, was like a scary, messy. <laughs> I'm
0: trying place. to remember. I think that summer. Oh, yeah. I remember I had intended to take the summer off because I already had a job lined up for September. So I told myself, you know what? I'm going to finally be free because I never had a summer off. i would always mm. been interning. So... Um, I thought I was going to have the summer off. Like, you know, I had all intentions, but then I ended up getting an internship at a marketing agency. So that did not happen. Okay. I think that summer was really just me getting acclimated to like life as an adult. And I'm mm-hmm. saying that in air quotes mm-hmm. and just trying to like, you know, figure out what my next steps were. I think because I knew what job I was going to have for the next year, I wasn't too worried, mm-hmm. but I also was also trying to like, you know, create this sense of independence because I knew that I was coming back home from living at school for four years and my mm. parents were like, where are you going? It's nine o'clock. And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? You know? <laughs> so just trying to get my independence back and then also trying to figure out, all right, there's no more school to go back to. Mm. What kind of communities am I going to get involved in? What kind mm. of things am I going to start? How am I going to start building my brand? So I want to say that that summer was actually the summer that I started blogging and just trying to figure out, like, all right, what is there in this world that I can offer? What am I going to get caught up in? You know, what are my passions now that I'm outside of school? And how do I make everything come together? So I felt like I was, like, beginning. You know, when you, when you get on a treadmill, you kind of start at, like, the one level. Mm-hmm. Then you inch up to two. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, slowly getting on the treadmill, picking up the, the speed. I just felt like I had to get going. Like, not mm-hmm. really excited, I just felt like I was moving. Um, Maybe that was anxiety, Mm -hmm. not excitement, more so just Mm. not wanting to feel like I didn't want to come home and then feel lost. So Mm -hmm. I kept myself busy. Yeah, I can
1: completely relate to that because I... Yeah, I moved back home and I actually I just moved into my first apartment last.
0: Congrats. Thank you. That's been on my list. So when
1: you said you were kind of looking to build your brand um, or you were trying to figure out your brand and you were writing like, did you have an ideal in mind of like, this is who I want to be like? This is my the person that I'm trying to become or was it still kind of nebulous for you?
0: That's a good question because I sometimes wonder how I like picked what my niche was going to be in the beginning. So when I first graduated, I made RainaCampbell.com and it was supposed to be all about like the professional and personal, how to build your brand and your professional and personal life. And so thinking about, like, where did that come from? I think it had to come from my experience at Princeton Career Services. So I was their communications and marketing intern. Mm -hmm. And I used to do a lot of their career blogging and stuff. So that was just the type of stuff that I had been already talking about and kind of got noticed on Princeton's campus for content that I was creating. So I kind of just used that as a, like, as a catalyst to start my own brand. So it really was just me thinking about what were things that I was already good at content that I already had and like a need that I saw from like my peers. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us were just graduating, trying to figure out who we were. We had these unique lives that we led in college that we all were trying to figure out. How does that translate now that we're adults? Mm -hmm. So for me, that was the biggest thing.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And it seems like for you working in career services, and doing communications would have been a nice um kind of marriage of your different interests of like you're so interested in people
0: right and like people's stories yeah. Um, Yeah, It was so much fun. Like I credit Eva Kubu for giving me my first flip camera and telling me to go ask people questions. Like mm -hmm. if you search YouTube, like Princeton Career Services, Raina Campbell, you'll see all my old videos. It's so embarrassing now to look at them. (laughs) But when I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's like the foundation for what I'm doing now with Mm -hmm. Dreams and Drive. So I definitely credit that you know, working there for three years and interning in the office and being around all the phenomenal staff in the Career Services Center for teaching me so much, but also allowing me to develop like a voice that would blossom into something later on. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's amazing to look back. And even when you said uh, that as a kid, you like to record like I didn't even re- I didn't even really remember until I was starting this podcast like, oh, yeah, my brother and I used to use a tape recorder when we were kids to pretend we were doing a radio show. <laughs> like and I forgot about that kind of or I didn't even put two and two together that like, oh, yeah, that's been in me for a long time. You know, like this interest and this desire to be doing this type of um to be doing something creative in this kind of medium and it's just cool to look back and see like the seeds of those things as far back as childhood and then as you move on in college and things like that definitely um so a few years after college you started the dreams and drive podcast right could you Mm -hmm. um could you talk about why you wanted to start the podcast
0: and what your vision was for it at the time so, um, during college, I had interned at CBS, which, you know, CBS corporation. And I kind of thought that after college, I would have this big media job and, you know, I'd be working at this media company and that just did not happen. I ended up, I ended up doing a fellowship, um, at the Vera Institute of Justice in New York city and. But meanwhile, I realized that I didn't necessarily have to work at a media company in order to start having these opportunities. So what I did, um, one of my mentors told me about, you know, maybe I should start trying to become a freelance writer. So I pitched myself to different online magazines and I started writing for them doing it's ironically um i was assigned to a business editor at madame noir and she was the one who like helped me do my first ever like q a with an entrepreneur and um i just fell in love with it so i was doing all these interviews i ended up uh, my my year fellowship was over i got another job in new jersey And I was still doing these interviews. I then started doing interviews with entrepreneurs in my blog, reigningcambell.com, and I called it the Brand Maker Series, doing all these really good interviews where they were all written up. So, you know, I would have these, like, long conversations, transcribe the interviews, put them on my blog, try to promote them. And I felt like nobody was reading them because, I mean, you have to like reading to Mm -hmm. read, like, a 3,000-word interview. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So. Mm that's when like podcasts were coming out. And I um, started listening to like Lewis House's podcast. I think Marie Marie Forleo, she had like a YouTube page or something. So I'm like, you know what? I want to get into this whole podcasting thing. And I thought about like my inconsistency with my own blogging. And I just made this like promise to myself in August 2015. Like, you know, if I start something and I show up for myself every week, what would happen And that's kind of how the idea for Dreams and Drive started was me just wanting to try a new platform for interviewing because I felt like people were shifting to audio experiences Mm -hmm. and then also just trying to like to do it as an experiment to myself that, all right, if you actually are consistent, Raina, you'll grow the following, you'll grow this audience, you'll build a platform and you can share with people you know, the stories of those that inspired you, like this could really be something. So that was really like the whole thinking behind why I started Dreams and Drive and why I kept going. Mm. And I really appreciate that in the podcast,
1: you're very authentic about your journey. And like, you know, you'll say, I'm not entirely sure. I think in the, maybe it was like the the first two episodes, you know, you were you were transparent about the fact that you were
0: learning and still kind of oh my god I need to go listen to those I feel like (laughs) it's so long ago you know it would be such a fun exercise to like re-listen to them and see where my headspace was yeah I definitely didn't know anything about podcasting when I started it it was all learning experience
1: yeah and but you didn't it, it was I feel like you expressed your the fact that you were that this was new for you in a way that didn't feel like you were apologizing for anything or like it wasn't unprofessional or anything like that but you were just being very authentic about it and i feel like you've kind of carried that through the podcast from um the second episode you were talking about like fear of uh, making decisions i think you were oh, using- getting my car mm-hmm. yeah because
0: i had just gotten my car around that time i remember that yeah
1: and then like so you were kind of talking about your fear of making the wrong decision and fear of failure but then also fear of success Which I thought was so interesting because I think that's something a lot of people can relate to and maybe not, people might not always realize um, explicitly that they're actually afraid of succeeding, but I do think that's in there for a lot of people when they think about pursuing something creative that's important to them. They're like really afraid of failure on the one hand and also afraid of, oh, what if people do see it and then I have to, you know, what if people do read my book or whatever and then I get criticism or what if people do order all of my bracelets on Etsy and I can't fulfill all the orders because I don't have enough materials or (laughs) whatever like we get so far ahead of ourselves Um, I was wondering if you could just reflect a little bit on that on your relationship to like those two kind of hand-in-hand fears when you
0: were starting the podcast Listen, Victoria, that was, I I think that's still something I struggle with. Um, Like you said, I think fear of success is something that we all don't realize is very real. Like everyone talks about fear of failure, but there are a lot of people out there, including myself, who sometimes fear like, what if things go right? Will you be able to handle it? Mm -hmm. Um, The way that I kind of deal with that, or I'm dealing with or learning to deal with it is that. Ironically, I'm realizing that um, it's funny because I was in L.A. last month or not last month in September and I went to a taping of the Steve Harvey show and he was talking about the idea of us embracing our gift. And he said, you know, our career is what we paid for. Our gift is what we're made for. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we don't tap into our gifts, we're not giving the world what we're meant to be. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not like doing what we're meant to do. Right. That's where you try. That's where you find true fulfillment so what i've been thinking about lately is this idea of you know me not fully stepping into what my gift is like i'm like i'm 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 selling myself short you know what i mean there's so much like positive that can come out of it and they say that like fear is anxiety for things that have haven't haven't even occurred yet And I'm making it out in my head sometimes to feel like I wouldn't be able to handle it. And I have to start reshifting. You know, anything that happens, you always be able to respond to it and I can handle it. And maybe, maybe I need to use this fear of success as motivation to keep going because there's going to be so many blessings and so many people that I'll be able to help when I fully do step in the driver's seat and really put my foot to the metal or put my foot to the pedal. (laughs) And, um, I feel like for anybody else who's dealing with the fear of success, you have to ask yourself, like, what is it that you're really afraid of? because sometimes we think that oh you know I'm 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 scared of like you know not being able to handle all the money if I get too rich right but really it might be I'm scared that people won't want to be my friend right or I'll lose mm-hmm. my friends like there's there's other things there that we're hiding behind so I think if you have a really good conversation with yourself and you're able to say all right but if you lose your friends because you're successful Maybe those people are not meant to be in that next journey of your life. And that's OK, because you may be introduced to people who are, you know, supportive of your success. So there are things that I've been telling myself, reworking the, the narrative that I'm telling myself, reworking Just that inner self-talk because one of the biggest things that I've learned from interviewing so many people on my show is that when it comes to like just achieving your goals, achieving anything, building a business, it's not the tactical things that will get in the way. Sometimes it's those inner work things, the fear, the self-doubt. Those are the things that if you're able to conquer it, you could do anything. Mm. Or
1: at least make space for it and say, okay, you're here on the journey with me, but you're not going to decide how it goes, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like it's funny because we kind of, we get really ahead of ourselves. And I I think it's interesting, like for you, you've been doing this podcast now for like almost three years, right? You've almost 200 episodes. You've had incredible guests on. And in the most recent episode you were talking about with your best friend I loved it you were just having a conversation with your best friend it was so like authentic and vulnerable and honest and you were expressing your fears about like still being afraid of like what if I don't amount to anything or what if I'm not successful in a certain way and it's so funny because like for someone just starting a podcast it's like but she has a podcast with almost (laughs) 200 episodes and how many hundred thousands of downloads and listeners and it's like it, it's just a reminder that we we get so ahead of ourselves we think that there's going to be like an end point mm-hmm. and that like something's going to happen and we're going to feel like we did it but the truth is that most of life is like somewhere in the middle like you just keep going it's probably going to be a a journey it's probably going to be more about slow and steady like you getting to your mic every single week to you know record or whatever and
0: you don't necessarily feel like you arrived and is that making sense like no it makes a lot of sense I think one of my biggest my biggest things is I keep trying to write my book right like I keep trying to write the book before the story's over Mm -hmm. and it's like you can't write the book I can only write the book up until now right like I can tell you everything about my life up until now but I keep thinking about what will my book like what will my book look like in 10 years in 15 years I can't write that book yet, so why yeah. worry about it, yeah. right? So that's that's been my biggest, biggest thing, and I got a lot of people who reach out to me after that episode, and they're like, you know, Raina, like, don't be so hard on yourself, and I don't think it's, like, one of the biggest things is, like, I wasn't necessarily being hard on myself. I think those are just real-life things that a yeah. lot of us just think about, yeah. and, like, no matter what, like, Oprah probably has, like, you yes. know, points where she's doubting herself, and that's why it's so important. Like, I tell myself that you can't compare – your journey to anyone else's journey because listen you don't know what that person's up at night crying about right you you think that their journey is the best journey but you never know what they're going through so just stick to yours right there's (laughs)
1: always gonna be another metric that you start measuring yourself by like i would imagine no matter how successful you get then, it, then there might be the fear of oh what if next year isn't I'm not as popular as this year or <laughs> whatever it's yeah, like it's
0: like, the, it's like a, a, a hamster wheel right you could just yeah. keep going and going and going and going at one point you gotta just get off and be like all right calm down sister calm down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got this like imagine or think about how far how much you have done and going back to the whole Oprah example I love using her is I, I tell myself year three into Oprah's career. She was still in the newsroom, right? She wasn't even, she didn't even have her own show yet. She had no idea how much she was going to accomplish, but she was focused on what she was doing right here and now. So that gives me motivation to keep on focusing on creating a quality show connecting with people building a new audience even if it's just one person a day right like that's one new person who's hearing about the show so I keep telling myself slow and steady wins the race don't compare yourself to other people's journey
1: it matters you know our our intentions and our motivations I think matter and when you what you said about what you said about steve harvey and and what was the quote that he said um,
0: um your gift is what your well your career is what you paid for your gift is what you're made for
1: yeah it got me thinking that i was talking to a friend recently and i, I feel like especially for like for young people who also feel a sense of responsibility like you want to do something that is helping in some way helping your community or you know helping to improve things in some way there can be all these shoulds um I don't know if you feel that or or even just when you compare yourself there are all these shoulds and I was talking to a friend who um is thinking about transitioning out of social work and she feels kind of guilty about it and I was like you know I've been thinking lately of it in terms of like what if JK Rowling was like I should be doing you know, I should be a doctor or something. So she never wrote Harry Potter. <laughs> like, would we really want the world without her,
0: you know, doing what she loves and what she's I drawn know. to, right? And I really feel like the whole society is changing and careers as we know it are changing. Um, One of my friends, I forgot the terminology that she used, but something she's been reading about how like in 20 by 2050 basically like all the careers as we know it will be like all computer driven anyway Mm -hmm. so like there will be a shift of the type of careers that people actually pursue it'll be the lifestyle related things it will be more creative more you know quote unquote fluffy because computers will be doing all the other stuff so I feel like there's a whole shift within our culture that we just have to accept. And like, um, like, like I always tell myself the whole gift thing. Like, I think we're each, we're, we're made here to do. so. I think we're put here and we each have a unique gift. And there are people who will be excellent doctors. There are people right, who will be excellent right. engineers and, if that's not what you feel called to do, then you have to listen to your voice because you're going to be, like, miserable. Yeah. You will be miserable, and then that will lead to other health issues and other health problems. And so I feel like in the long run, it just makes sense to just stay true to, to like, what, what your spirit is telling you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because like you said, we're trying to see 15 years ahead, but Oprah didn't know she was going to become the Oprah yeah. that she became. J. Who would Roland even know, know talk that, you know? shows
0: would be that, you know, who yeah. knew that? Like when J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter, you know, the whole like multi, you know, like the movie theater industry wasn't even that big yet. She just wrote a book, right? right? She wrote that a she book. loved, right? She just loved to write it for. And I think,
1: I think the other thing is like, and it doesn't have to be about becoming a huge icon, you know, but we don't know how, even in our own, even if we, You know, uh, even in our own quiet ways, how following what we love can just lead to a life that we love and that touches other lives, even if it's in small, quiet ways that um, we just don't know. We can't see 15 years down the road and we don't know how, you know, if your passion, if you want to be a teacher, but you've always been told you should be a, a lawyer or whatever. But if you do follow that, that call To if you have a gift for working with students and you do follow it, then you have no idea how many lives you're gonna touch, right? And you have no idea how you're gonna feel 15 years later down the line, looking back. um, You might just feel like now you can see how
0: important that was, right? Yeah, you might be the teacher that will inspire someone to become a doctor, right? Like you you never know, you never know. Like I feel like there's, you know, you're a unique piece Mm -hmm. in the puzzle. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's 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 the phrase I'm trying to say.
1: So I'm curious because a lot of your guests I've heard talk about the importance of faith in their Mm -hmm. work. Um, I'm curious what role faith plays in your life and your work, however you define it. Like, I I mean that word very broadly, um, whatever that means to you.
0: That's a good question. So, like I mentioned on the episode, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, so you know, a Christian household. Um, and I always although like my mom took us to Kingdom Hall every week, like I wouldn't necessarily say that I was like I'm not a practicing Jehovah's Witness now, but I definitely learned just how important it is to be spiritual, right? And how t- the importance of for me having a belief in a higher being or having this uh, belief in, I guess for me, like, you know, what? actually, to be honest, I feel like it's something that I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out how I define it. Now, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm a spiritual person. But I don't necessarily, like, I don't necessarily think that my religion has to be the only religion. I mm-hmm. feel like it's, it's been something that I've questioned a lot. Like, who am I to say that, you know, my God is the only God, but your God is wrong, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, I'm on this path to discovering what spirituality means to me. And I really do get encouraged by a lot of my guests who talk about God, who talk about how important he is in their life and just how strong their faith is. Um, I think that for me, having this connection to myself and knowing that I'm put here for a reason is really, really ties into how I define faith because you have to feel like there's something bigger than you you know what I mean? Like you're yep. you're not existing here alone, and so that's really how I would describe it. Knowing that there's a reason why I'm here really guides my spirituality and being in tune with that. How I'm practicing my faith, I'm still I'm still figuring it out. Um, but I I do get encouraged by listening to people share their personal stories, and I like hope that my own relation to it will evolve as time goes on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been really um, I wasn't necessarily expecting to hear so much about faith when I started listening to your podcast. Um, but it was really interesting to see. Oh, yeah. So many of these creative people who chose to have faith in themselves have faith in something bigger. How you know, Sometimes
0: you need to right? because yeah. what else will keep you going? Yeah. It's like it's like needing like when you when you when you say you have blind faith, you actually need to believe in something because Mm -hmm. if you don't believe in something, if you don't have this strong belief that things will turn out all right, because someone or something, some power is guiding you like you have to be a really strong person. So I see how it really helps people. Um, and maybe it drives me and I just don't yet know how to articulate it. Yeah. Um, but I'm really being into manifesting as well. It's something that I really think that you have to make clear what your goals are and you have to have that inner belief. And whatever drives that inner belief, you know, whether it's God, whether it's whatever it is, the answer, so whatever you believe, that is a core part of your faith. Right. It's mm-hmm. like that belief in yourself, I feel like has to drive everything. Mm hmm. So you said about the podcast, I wanted to create a
1: destination for other creatives like me who want to hear how others in their industry were able to fight doubt and execute. And I feel like I know for myself, like I wanted to start this podcast about growing up and getting wise and trying to live a good life because those are things that I really wrestle with. Like, Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about what
0: role does doubt play in your own life? Oh my gosh, it's funny because I was just having a conversation with one of my friends today about how like, you know, she said to me kind of what you said earlier about girl, you've accomplished so much like why you know, don't be so hard on yourself. But I'm like, I know, but I just wonder, like, I wonder if like, Mm -hmm. as a kid, I was always the biggest storyteller. And sometimes being a storyteller can be to your detriment, because you can create the craziest stories about what's to come, right. So for me, I sometimes suffer from creating all these different scenarios about like what people will say yeah. mm-hmm. or like what will happen if I do this or what will happen if I do that. So it's, it's been this theme and I think that's why I like talking to other people because from stories you can, you can gain insight. And so hearing how other people were able to keep going despite having this um, inspires me and it, it does play a big part of my life because I think that. You know, I know that I get, I can get things done. I know that, like, you know, if I don't fit, if I don't know how something will work, I can figure out how to make it work. Like, I figured out how to build my own website or my own all this stuff. You know, how to podcast, how to do all this technical stuff. But at night, I still sometimes wonder what's next, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like if I'm always wondering, then I won't be executing. So stories have been a way or or talking to people have always been a a, kind of like a reassuring right like okay I know I can't be the only one going through this I know I can't be the only one who feels like this and finding a community of equally you know equally I guess high accomplished I I don't want to say overachievers but people who have achieved a lot it's still something that people deal with and just feeling like it's okay to, to 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 not always be sure of yourself mm-hmm. and it's funny me and my girlfriends were just getting together for like a girls weekend and we were like wait is that what life really is like mm-hmm. you know you never really have it all figured out mm-hmm. and maybe that's all right you know maybe that's okay because I feel like the narrative has been like, oh, you have to have it figured out by 25. You have to yeah. have a ki- two kids and three dogs by 26. And it's like, yeah. wait, wait, in a year? You know, how? How? <laughs> yeah. how? So, like, I I gained so much reassurance and just, like, a peace from knowing that, you know, most people don't have it figured out, but they're just they're figuring it out, right? Mm-hmm. And each day is a new opportunity to figure it out and come up with a new solution for how... You
1: can keep going yeah and there's so much freedom when you realize that you can like you can actually take delight in asking the questions and not yeah knowing. there's a lot of freedom in that i feel like do you have um that the age anxiety of like i should like when you graduated from college were you like oh clock is ticking like i gotta accomplish some really impressive stuff by the time i'm 30 or else i'm a failure like do you have that age anxiety thing that i feel like a lot of people have
0: Uh, I feel like when I first graduated, it wasn't so apparent, right? I feel like I was more with like go with the flow and I was like forcefully or purposefully not thinking about it. But now that I'm 27 and a half, I'm like, oh wait, like I'm about to be 30 and I still live at home. Like, oh wait, oh wait, like I'm not married. Oh wait, oh wait, my biological clock is like ticking. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like now that I'm past 25 is when I feel like there should be, like, well, I've been feeling the pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents are always like, what are you doing? Are you going back to business school? Are you doing this? And I, I just want to scream sometime because I feel like, you know, my parents are 27. They were married already. You know, they were like, it was a different life back then. Yeah. So I definitely feel the pressure now, but I have to keep remembering or telling myself, like, your journey is not everyone else's journey. Yep. And I feel like social media though makes Ugh. it so makes it so hard yes. not to like want to shoot yourself. Well not you know not really shoot yourself, but you know what I mean like make, you feel, be... really make yeah, you feel really bad. Make you feel really bad. Like you you'll go on social media and you'll see like the the loser from elementary school has like three kids, <laughs> a, a house, a, uh, banging 401k you know they vacation yes. in the Bahamas and you're like wait what like how, how did this happen <laughs> but um, I always say like social media is like a highlight reel and mm-hmm. people aren't showing you what they have to do to get that or if it's really theirs maybe they're renting it you know you, you mm-hmm. never really know but um, I definitely feel that crunch now to like check certain things off just because I feel like I was avoiding it. And I sometimes feel like right now I have goals, but I don't necessarily have a timeline set out. And I'm wondering, do I need the timeline? You know, I need to start thinking about these things. Like, does it matter? Will I regret it if I don't start paying it from now? Like, it's, there's all these things, Victoria, that are going through my head. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, under- I totally understand that. <laughs> And I'm curious, like, because you are someone in media, how do you handle social media in terms of your in terms of self-care and not getting not going down that rabbit hole of, of social comparison that can be so toxic? How do you stay connected,
0: but also like take care of yourself? One of the biggest things that I did just so that I'm not constantly checking my social media has been turning off the notifications mm-hmm. on my phone. So I don't get like the main, I have an iPhone. So like, you know, when you just have like your home page, your home screen, I don't get any social media notifications there. So I have to actually go in the app to see things. So that helps a lot. Um, I think what has also helped me is, I guess, being aware that what I'm seeing, like re- reminding myself, this is curated, this is curated, this is curated, right? Like, when I see somebody, you know, posting something, I'm like, this is like an art gallery, right? You don't go to art gallery and say, oh my gosh, I want this life. You look at it because you look at it through the lens of it being an art gallery. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I find myself doing is I put on my sociologist hat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, I see, like, Social media sometimes as a big social experiment, so I try to like think about ways to interpret things versus covet or become jealous. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, all right, well, maybe this person is trying to sell the dress that she's wearing, or this person's an influencer, so they have to post it like this, you know? So there are little things that I do. I, I kind of like talk to myself <laughs> as I'm on the apps, but I try not to go on as much. Like, I can really say I'm mostly completely weaned from Facebook. I check it, you know, intermittently when I need to. So my notifications will rack up in the app. But Instagram, though, although I don't have notifications, I still kind of am a scrollaholic. Instagram is like the tic-tacs of social media.
1: Like, you just keep... Going, You just keep going.
0: (laughs) There's this girl that I interviewed on the show, Alex Wolf, and she has this book called Resonate, where she talks about, like, our addiction to social media and how Mm -hmm. we really can build audience. And her whole idea, um, one thing that stuck out to me from that conversation was she was talking about how, like, virtual reality is becoming our new reality and reality... We're paying to get breaks from virtual reality. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's crazy. I don't want to be an Instagram addict, but um, the apps are definitely designed to, to keep us addicted. So I feel like sometimes we have to become more educated consumers of technology and realizing how our phones are constantly being upgraded to make us more dependent upon them. Think about it. Like, if you lost your phone right now today right no backups nothing how would you feel it, it,
1: what, even when i just am in bed and like i'm scrolling and my phone dies like it runs out of battery like, ah! i have a moment of panic like <laughs> which i it's horrifying you know like
0: <laughs> yeah, remember back in the day when like you know we were we didn't even have access to the internet 24 yeah. 7 yeah like you know phones were just meant for phones like i think it's so interesting to think about how back in the day you know I remember I had a virgin mobile seventh grade virgin mobile text phone. I think I had like only a hundred text messages a month. I could send a hundred text messages in like three minutes now you yeah. know what I mean yeah. it's like our whole relationship um like phone plans used to be different like three minutes after 9 pm and now it's like three minutes all the time mm-hmm. it's it's crazy I can only imagine like I'm kind of excited just because i can't imagine how much more technologically advanced we'll get so i i I really want to see in 20 years like what Mm. what technology looks like yeah or even to
1: see what might be some of the reactions against it you know yeah or what might there might younger generations start start rejecting it you know like that's always interesting to think about too i mean obviously not rejecting it entirely. But might there be some backlash? I don't know. And, you know, I do think one of the reasons I love podcasts so much is because it it is using technology, but it's very intimate. And in a lot of ways, it's very similar to like when our grandparents would listen to the radio, you know, mm-hmm. like um, and listen to stories on the radio. It's kind of interesting how it is technology, but it is intimate. And it often feels like in podcasts, like you get a much more authentic story than the images that you see like an Instagram um yeah and I feel feel more
0: connected to people as well yeah
1: you feel you you hear people's stories and you you get a fuller sense of the story of course it's still what people are choosing to tell but oftentimes it's it's a much fuller richer story that includes includes you know difficulties and challenges that you don't see on social media so much and and you can kind of see our common humanity more i feel like your podcast does that really well like thank you 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 get into the weeds with people about you know the what they've struggled with and i'm I'm curious to know is there a particular guest or a particular story or even something someone a guest of yours said on the podcast that you carry with you or that really affected
0: you Oh, that's a good one. I feel like there's so many stories yeah, you've that a come lot. to... <laughs> I know, like, I'm like, dang, I'm trying to remember, like, is there one that, like, affected me in any way? Um, yeah. Episode 179 with Candace Welch. She is Issa Ray's executive assistant, um, and she's also a disabled activist. She's a blogger, so she suffered from spinal muscular... Oh, my God, oh, I forgot the she has like a spinal disease that really leaves her, she's wheelchair bound, right? Mm -hmm. So her story affected me because I feel like a lot of times we think about people who are of this disabled population, we kind of write them out of stories, right? Like we Mm -hmm. write them out of, having these glorious jobs of being able to do all these things and she just totally changed my perspective mm. on what you can accomplish if you are a disabled woman. Right. And she's the executive assistant to one of like the rising stars of today, like Issa Rae, HBO, like, you know, yes. she has, she's like the force behind this, this powerful woman. And she has a full-time job at the LA homeless authority, She's a blogger. She goes on vacations. She, you know, she does not let anything stop her. And she talked about how she had to really embrace that being disabled and her experiences were going to break her, but it was in the rebuilding of herself that she was going to become strong, Mm -hmm. right? She's like, this is not for everybody. Like, you know, this is not the prettiest of lives i have medical issues i have a lot of things i have to deal with but i make sure i show up and i work just as hard as any other able-bodied person because i don't want you to view me as disabled and this is why i'm doing it i want you to view me as a person and you know i grew up with a mother who was disabled so she was disabled later on in life from a car accident I grew up in this household, you know, with a disabled mom, and I kind of grew up ashamed, of, like my mom, like walking so l- slower than other people's moms. Mm-hmm. And because I had never known life as any different, I didn't have anything to compare it to. But listening to Candace's story, just about how much she was able to accomplish, and realizing how much my mom was able to accomplish for my sister and I, you know taking us to school every day, like, all these things she sacrificed for us, it just made me have this new respect for her and just Mm -hmm. made me realize, like, these are the type of stories that we need to start, you know, spreading more of. That people, how you become a dream driver or how you, like, make your dreams a reality, whatever it is, how you grow up, how you evolve in life, it's not always going to look, like someone else's journey. But you have to respect the difference in that person's story because there's so much to learn. And I think to date that that conversation with Candace was so impactful for me because it really made me reflect on how I see people. Mm. So I listened to your episode, episode 145, with
1: Jennifer Lewis today. Oh,
0: she is a riot. Oh my gosh, <laughs> everyone
1: needs to just just as soon as this episode is over go listen to episode 145 of dreams and drive with jennifer lewis um i was really struck by something that she said about um when she was younger someone said to her basically like how are you going to you know you have this voice she's a singer and um an actress and an entertainer and someone said to her like you have this voice how are you going to use it like what are you going to do with it how are you going to give back and at the time, she was kind of just like, uh, like I'm not, I'm not political. I'm, you know, I'm just a singer. Like, but she said, you know, as time went on, she said, like before she could become an activist or figure out what she had to give to others, before she could have something to say, she had to live a little bit more and travel and do all this stuff. And I was just thinking for, for young people like you and I, like you know, mm-hmm. you are creative and smart and passionate and you want to like use your voice in the world. And also, you know, we are in our 20s and are, you know, figuring stuff out. Like, how do you hold that tension of wanting to give and wanting to use your voice and also still learning and experience? Like, we will continue to learn and experience our whole lives, but there is something Mm -hmm. about being, like, younger and fresher and really learning and experiencing a lot of things for the first time. Does that question make sense? Like how you hold the tension of wanting to use your voice while you're still really developing yourself in a lot of ways?
0: I think I think we are using I get what you're saying with the question. It's like, should we wait to to speak up? Or Mm -hmm. should we just live as we are? I think for me what i found and i'm gonna go back to this whole storytelling theme but i really feel like just being honest with where you are right now in the journey so jennifer she was able to say that because she's looking back at her life but i'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure she didn't even realize that when she was our age she was speaking up you know what i mean Mm -hmm. she wasn't necessarily political with it But she may have just been speaking up for her fellow actors on Broadway or, you know, speaking Mm -hmm. up while she was like, you know, singing a song or through her music, she was speaking and she was speaking to a certain audience. Mm -hmm. So I think for us, sometimes our audiences will change. But speak to the audience that it's captivated by you right now because you're going to have an impact. So if your audience right now, this is going to be so silly, but if your audience right now is is your two little kitty cats, right, speak to your cats so <laughs> you can graduate to, you know, a different audience. Speak to your parents, your siblings, until you can graduate to the church or speak to the people who are listening because they'll bring more people and so I think right now if your if your bigger goal is to one day, you know, be political and to really make a huge impact, it really does start with being small. So like yes. the dreams and drive, like I had to just start with the people who were on my like email blogging list, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I started with them, like episode one, episode two, episode three were people that I knew. And then you you grow and the message grows and your audience grows. It's like building a strong foundation. I think like it might be hard to for Jennifer if she started to tr- to if she started out trying to be political, but now she has the audience and the reach and the voice and the perspective to know how to speak to that audience, mm-hmm. and the message is more impactful. So I think we're able to have more impactful messages when we're speaking to the people we can connect to right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know,
1: I think sometimes in this day and age where it's everything is so global and we see you know it it can be easy to forget that you start with like your your house your street your neighborhood you know yeah. like that's people who go on to to have broader impact they they start out making the little changes and impact
0: that they can in their immediate radius right Yeah, definitely. I am a huge proponent of that. I think like, you know how they say change starts from within, Mm -hmm. you know, even in like marketing, they say local marketing, grassroots marketing is the best marketing word of mouth. Mm. Starting small and letting the message spread outwards is so important, especially if you really care about what it is that that you're talking about right like if you don't care about it you just want to talk to any old body, <laughs> whatever but if you really care about it grow your base grow your following and have a belief have a commitment that people will tell people about what your message and that your platform will grow like I'm a huge huge believer in that
1: yeah and I connected to what she was saying about what jennifer lewis was saying about she wasn't talking just to talk she she started using her voice in a certain way when she when she
0: genuinely had something to say right yeah like she wasn't just like out here trying to be political when she didn't like i think that's a huge thing too especially with social media like yes i love that jennifer talked about she spoke up when she knew when she when she had something to say about what it was that she was she was speaking about. So yeah.
1: Yeah, and it seems like like for you with your podcast, like you didn't start a podcast for the sake of it. You weren't like, "Oh, I'm seeing all these podcasts. I should do yeah. a podcast." <laughs> you were already doing these interviews that you loved. Like you had this passion for for talking to entrepreneurs and business owners and learning from them. And sharing that learning with other people. And then you realized, oh, and this medium seems really good for it right now. So it's like, yeah, it was genuine. It wasn't you're not doing this stuff for the sake of it. Right.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's also what's going to help sustain you. Because, listen, you can do it for the sake of it for those first five episodes. But yeah. as you know, Victoria, <laughs> podcasting is not easy. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to talk into a microphone. But everything that goes into it, the editing, yeah. the producing, the scheduling, the promoting, all that stuff like it's hard and that's why there's a lot of there's a lot of podcasts on itunes but there aren't a lot of active active mm-hmm. podcasts so to keep going yeah. is a testament to how much it truly means to you yeah totally
1: Th- and this is a big question so i'm like leaving okay, a good okay, question but okay. how would you define <laughs> success now at this point in your life what does Ooh. success mean to you
0: Ooh, i my the first thing that came to my head was stop doubting myself. (laughs) (laughs) Like maybe success will be when I'm just doing things and not doubting myself. But I feel like, you know, doubting yourself will be part of life. I feel like success for me is like leaving something behind that I'm proud of and that has impacted people. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm successful with Dreams and Drive because I know that it's encouraging people. And even hearing how it's impacted you really inspires me and motivates me. Maybe success is like, a continuation of that, right? Making sure that I'm continuing to do that and that, you know, somebody is inspired to keep going. I know that sounds so cliche, but when I think about, like, what will make me happy and what will keep me going, it's knowing that the mission is is alive still,
1: right? Mm-hmm. That's
0: success to me. Um, What's something that you're learning or
1: growing into right now?
0: Uh-huh. The biggest thing, I think, is this whole monetization and the business building aspect. So, mm-hmm. you know, I quit my job. Um, I'm doing this full time for the foreseeable future. I don't know if that will change, but I realize I'm not as comfortable with accepting or getting money as I thought I was, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, you know how some entrepreneurs, money motivates them. They yes. love motivate. And for me, like money isn't my motivator. So I keep trying to figure out ways that I can monetize the the show beyond sponsorships. That's pretty okay for me. But like, you know, building an ebook or doing an e-course, and I keep talking myself out of it. And I'm just mm. like, why am I doing this? Like, am I not comfortable? with taking money from my audience for like certain mm. skill sets that I'm teaching them. So, I think that's definitely something that I'm being I, I'm trying to get more comfortable with. And also another big thing for me has been um trusting my um trusting my ability to make decisions. So, I think you were talking about um episode 2. And how I talked about you know me buying my car and trying to trust myself like I'm still trying to trust my ability to make decisions I'm a big like crowd funder question asker mm-hmm. so like you know I'll I'll try to get 20 opinions like hey girls like you know which which sock should I buy the blue one or the red one vote now right mm-hmm. I have to like just be okay with being like hey guys I got a blue sock yep. you know and not yep. not asking people's opinions so right now that is probably the biggest thing that i am working through
1: yeah i think that's something that a lot of people can relate to i can definitely relate to that and it's Mm
0: -hmm. it's, uh, someone
1: said to me once when I, i was trying to decide between two job offers and i was like really struggling and someone said to me make a decision and then make it right or make a decision and then make it the right one and that always uh. stuck with me because she was saying, someone had said it to her, you know, it was like passed along. And and I always think about that now that it's never the end of the road. So often there isn't, I mean, there's very rarely one right decision, you know. it's It, it can go so many ways and you can always turn it around and find meaning and learning and opportunity and growth in whatever you chose, you know. agreed I try to think about that because yeah I I I can I can definitely relate to that and it's something my um episode one of this of the perennials podcast was with my aunt um Cheryl Paul she's a a psychotherapist and um we talked about anxiety and she she uh talks a lot about self-trust and building self-trust and um and it's something that I want to do an episode with her specifically just about trust because um, and self-trust because I just think that's a it's like the it ha- it's the bedrock for everything else.
0: You know, so much, you know, why do we doubt that we we can't make the decisions for ourselves? And I think for me, a big thing that I think has like hindered my ability to make to, to trust my decisions has been I've always wanted to please other people, yes. right? Like, yeah. you know, growing up in a Caribbean household, my parents and all this stuff, it's like, you know, they sacrifice all of this for you. You don't want to disappoint them. But what I'm realizing is I have to live my own life. And yes. I have to stop thinking that it's disrespectful if I disagree with my parents. Like, it's not disrespectful. It's me having my own opinion. yeah And me, me like, realizing that... I am free to live my life the way I want to. I'm free to make decisions the way I want to, as long as I'm not causing harm to somebody mm-hmm. else. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's that's what life is. It's about experimenting, and you will make mistakes. I mm-hmm. think a lot of us try to go through life not making mistakes mm-hmm. or doing the things that will be the less risky or mm-hmm. you know the least. No, like we really just have to embrace that we may make a decision and it may end up being a bad decision, but guess what? Life goes on and you will too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think, I think girls are, are really raised and conditioned to be pleasing, you know? And for me, a big part of growing up is recognizing that being pleasing to other people is just not, what we're here for you know <laughs> like yeah it's not even always the kindest thing to other people it doesn't build your integrity it doesn't actually build true kindness and love because if you end up bitter and resentful then what's the point you know and yeah so I feel like part of really growing up into adulthood for me is is recognizing you know when i'm just trying to be pleasing and then recognizing what effect that has on my spirit and then how i actually treat myself and other people because of that you know and reminding myself that the ultimate kindest thing is is not just to try to please no matter what you know Mm -hmm. so so i can definitely relate to that as well I feel like I feel like a kindred spirit in you. Like when as I've been listening to the podcast, I really,
0: I really enjoy this this conversation with you. I really, 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 really did. So,
1: well, thank you so much. This has just been awesome. Um, And where can people find you and your work?
0: So, if you want to check out the Dreams and Drive podcast, you can you know find us anywhere you listen to Perennials podcasts. We're on Apple Podcast, SoundCloud. Spotify, um, anywhere search us on the internet, dreamsanddrive.com and our social media. You can find us at Dreams and Drive. And if you want to follow me personally, my Instagram handle is Rain R A I N Shine S-H-I-N-E Love L-U-V. Uh this is a podcast about growing up and my social media handle did not. It's the same <laughs> social media handle I had since high school, but <laughs> you know what
1: it's (laughs) fine. that is totally fine we're still youthful we're still young you know right (laughs) if you like the episode i hope that you'll share it and subscribe on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review it helps people to find the podcast thank you thank you thank you so much for listening i hope you'll join me next time